Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. This is your host, Doctora Yvette. And today I have an episode all about effective pacing and prioritization techniques to prevent burnout. I decided to record this episode because this is a topic that is coming up a lot with my clients and with my recent femtees who have joined my Grad School Femtoring Academy. The Grad School Femtoring Academy, if you haven't heard about it, is a six-week group coaching program where I walk um, or I provide an overview to first-gen BIPOCs uh, about personal development and sustainable productivity. So we cover a lot of different topics related to um, figuring out what your values are, your strengths, your areas of growth. We talk about goal setting. We talk about self-care and community care and habits and prioritization, time management, project management, how to use AI effectively and ethically. So there's a bunch of stuff that we cover. And again, a lot of people who have decided to work with me are working with me because they might be struggling with burnout or they're in the process of like feeling like they're about to become burnt out and they want to prevent it or minimize it or, or, or overcome it. And one of the things that I share, I share different strategies, but I, I am very open about discussing uh, about my chronic illness and or chronic illnesses, I should say, and how they have forced me to learn pacing and prioritization strategies, because otherwise I would not be able to do what I do. One of the things that, and I'm not sure if I've talked about it on the podcast yet, but one of the things that occurred for me is that when I got COVID last year, I am one of the people who happened to develop long COVID symptoms. And for me, they manifested in symptoms that led to a diagnosis of something called dysautonomia, which is a dysfunction of the autonomic nervous system. And it impacts all of your body. And for me, uh, it means that it uh, causes very, very severe brain fog, brain fog where I will get headaches and migraines, where I cannot think straight, where my vision becomes blurry, where my hearing, it sounds like uh, very muddled, like I am underwater. And in some cases, um, depending on the day, and if I'm not taking uh, care of myself, um, if I'm not doing the things that I have learned that are um, lifestyle changes that help with dysautonomia, I can be, uh, what is it, like bed bound or uh, having to be uh, resting uh, all day because I, I, I will, if I get up, if I stand up, I will feel these these symptoms of feeling like passing out. It's called pre-syncope symptoms. 
And that means like dizziness and, you know, everything spinning and blacking out. So that is kind of what I've been dealing with the last couple of months, um, again, since fall 2022. And, you know, it's been a combination of different dietary and lifestyle changes that have helped me to make it more manageable now. And one of the things that has been really, really helpful has been to really be mindful of my pacing when I work because I am a recovering workaholic and I do have workaholic tendencies and I know that it's not good for me. And I know that that's what led me to burning out and getting chronically ill to begin with. And so today, yes, let's talk about pacing and prioritization. I thought I'd include prioritization because that is part of what I, I feel like they, they the two go hand in hand. That's that's a part of what allows me to pace myself and still get work done uh, and meet deadlines is because I pace myself, but I also prioritize all the time. And so let's start with talking about what is pacing Maybe you have not heard this term before, or maybe you have, but you're not 100% sure what I mean when I'm referring to it. So when I'm talking about pacing, I'm talking about energy management. So when I talk about time management strategies, I do think it's essential to also talk about energy management strategies because we all go through different waves of energy levels, both throughout the day throughout monthly cycles, and also even through seasonal changes and seasonal cycles. And so um, pacing is managing those energy levels, those seasonal changes, those cycles that you may go through. And um, you do that by finding a way to balance between doing your work and taking breaks. And okay, that's pacing. So prioritization then is the act of ranking tasks. And you can rank them based off how important they are to you and also how urgent they are. So this is where deadlines um, come into play. And so, okay, the two go hand in hand, but let me share a, a couple of strategies of both. And you'll notice that some of these things might overlap. So when I am pacing myself, one of the things that I've been doing um, for a while now, not, not just recently, but you know, for, for, I don't know, at least a couple of years now is time blocking. And I block out time, certain times of day for me to work. And when I work, I actually work in, in short bursts of time. So I'll do like two to three half hour sessions of work, and then I'll take a break. Um, I do no more than two hours straight. Usually I, or I try not to. Um, and then I take a break and then I'll work again for another hour and a half, two hours, maybe three hours tops. And then I take another break and then I'll work again. And I do this because one, like it allows me to rest and to pace myself. And also I work odd hours. I currently am living in Portugal. I don't even know when this podcast episode is coming out. So I might be in the middle of an international move <laughs> when you hear this. Or no, probably not. Not yet. I'm moving in the summer. But um, anyway, so now I'm like losing 
track of what I was just saying. See, that's 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 the brain fog that I'm referring to. So going back to um, my schedule and how I work, I was saying that I work odd hours because a lot of the people that I work with are on um, the U.S. time zones. So they're Pacific time, they are Central time, they're East Coast time. So they're um, I'm eight hours ahead or uh, six hours ahead or five hours ahead, depending on where they live. Uh, and so that means that I work late into the night. I work until 9 or 10 p.m. most days. And you'd think, whoa, that's a lot. But it's it's actually not. I I don't work. I don't work more than 40 hours a week. I try to aim between 30 to 40 hours. And this includes the work that I do, uh, all of the work that I do, including um my my work with my children and homeschooling and that may include domestic work so I try not to overdo it because my body does need a lot of time for resting and on weeks or days that I have flare-ups I may not do much at all or I will do I've told myself okay like if I've got a really really bad week I'm not going to go over 15 hours a week of work and I determined that number based on what's the minimum amount that I need to get done where I can still sustain my workload and not fall behind. But this has taken a while after after doing the time blocking for so long and starting to notice uh, patterns in my workload, I determined the number of hours. And I set my internal rule is if I'm feeling really sick, I will work 15 hours that week. If I'm doing better and it's manageable than 30 to 40 hours a week. And I try not to ever aim for over 40 hours a week because that will definitely make me sick. I've noticed the pattern. So time blocking, which is where I designate specific time slots in uh, my calendar for different types of work. So it might be uh, work related to writing, brainstorming, generating ideas, administrative tasks. It might be time blocks for meetings. And I usually have meetings only during certain, certain hours of the day. That way, no matter what, I have my time block for these other tasks, the writing tasks, the admin tasks. And so it's up to you to decide. So how can you time block? depending on your schedule. If you've got courses, you might have your time blocks for your classes and for your homework. If you are writing a thesis or a dissertation, you might have time blocks every day for writing, or it might be a couple times a week for writing. I know that I wasn't able to write every day when I was writing my dissertation. And so I would have time blocks two to three times a week for my dissertation work. And even throughout writing my book, um, the Grad School Application Guide, that's coming out next year in 2024 through UC Press. I didn't work on it every day. I had my time blocks a couple of times a week to focus on my writing work. And I still do that even now. We're um, about to turn in our revisions and there will be other workload related to, to the marketing aspect of the book and just getting prepared for it to come out for the launch. Um, and I, so I've got my time block for that, for my, my, my book related tasks. So time blocking is the first thing that I wanted to mention when it comes to pacing yourself, because um, 
the the key to time blocking is I want to I want to encourage you strongly encourage you to also add blocks of time on your calendar for breaks and for scheduling in things that nourish you. So a break might be a break for napping. It might be a break to watch a show. It might be a break to just like do nothing and decompress. It might be a break to call a friend or a family member. Definitely incorporate that into your schedule. Don't just say, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it on my free time. No, 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 no. This is essential for you to take care of yourself and you should treat it that way. And that may mean having to say no to more things, having to set more boundaries so you can make time for yourself. The next pacing uh, option or strategy or tip that you can try out is to break up tasks into small manageable steps and work backwards from a deadline. So everything that I do, I'm like, okay, if I've got, you know, a workshop to do, okay, if the workshop is next week, then like, what do I need to do between now and next week? Uh, you know, every day or a couple of times this week to get those materials ready. And I break everything down. I don't try to ever do something all in one sitting because that is a recipe for disaster for me. So, and also if I see a task and think about the big task all at once, I can get easily overwhelmed. So if I think, oh my gosh, I've got to write this book, I'm not going to do it. It's too big and scary. But if I break it down and say, actually today I'm going to write uh, I don't know, two pages of this section from this chapter from the book, that's a lot more feasible than saying today, I'm just going to work on the book. So breaking up the task into small, manageable steps, try to simplify the process for yourself is really, really good for pacing yourself because it means that you're not expecting yourself to complete uh, a big, high energy task all in one sitting. The next strategy, which is the story of my life, because this is just how I work now and it works for me. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It just, it just works so, so well for me um, is using the Pomodoro technique. I feel like I've said this. I'm a broken record when it comes to the Pomodoro technique. I started doing this in grad school, timing myself for 25 minutes, writing down what my goal was for that 25 minute session after that was over then uh, writing down what I actually got done and I kept a log of it. So then after having that log and starting to notice again, my patterns, I realized, okay, this is how long it takes me to write. This is how long it takes me to read. And I could do the math of, okay, if it takes me an hour to write a page, if I have all the notes and the research, everything ready, if I have an outline, then if I'm trying to write a 25 page paper then or 25 page chapter, then it's going to take me 25 hours. And if I've got two weeks to do it, then that means I'm going to have to dedicate 12 hours out of this week or 13 hours out of this week to get it done. And then I would break up those 13 hours of the week into multiple times throughout that week so that I'm not doing 12 hours straight because that's not again, a possibility for me. So for you, even if you're not chronically ill, I want to encourage you to break things up and that you can start to self-assess or self-evaluate or figure out what your pacing, what your timing is by using the Pomodoro technique. And I actually don't encourage 
taking, um, like doing the Pomodoro technique and not taking a longer break after three sessions. If you do three 25 minute sessions back to back, I want to encourage you to take a longer break because that is, um, a, again, really helpful for pacing yourself. And along those lines, which is why I like Pomodoro technique is because it forces you to take a break after 25 minutes. I've been told by, um, who is it? The, uh, is it optometrist? I always get, um, the eye doctor name wrong, <laughs> but I have chronic dry eyes and I am, um, farsighted and I also have some other vision is issues or issues with blurry vision and the chronic dry eyes was a result of too much screen time. When I worked my nine to five, I was on a screen for multiple hours straight. And so that's when I was encouraged to, okay, at every half hour, step away from the computer, look away, look somewhere else. Like just make sure you're not looking at the street at the computer straight for longer than half an hour. And so that's what's great about the Pomodoro technique is that it forces you to take a break from the screen every 25 minutes to half an hour. And uh, um, again, when it comes to taking breaks, it's really about learning to listen to your body. And this is hard because so many of us have been socialized to and pressured to work beyond our breaking point to just keep pushing through pushing through and that is not that's what leads to burnout and illness and worse and so one of the things that I do um, to help me uh, with uh, taking breaks is that if I know that I've got something going on that typically takes up a lot of energy I will alternate that high energy activity with rest so if I know that I've got this uh, workshop that's going to take up a lot of my energy, um, or if I've got an event that's uh, where I have to go somewhere and going anywhere for me takes up a lot of energy. Uh, and if I don't take care of myself, I like a lot of times um, events outside of my home will lead me, especially travel will lead me to flaring up for several days straight after and so I have to schedule in rest. So if I'm traveling, I've got to have a rest day after the day of travel. And so if I've got a big event or workshop or speaking engagement, keynote, you name it, I, I'm not going to have a meeting right after that. I'm going to give myself some time to like rest and decompress from that. So similarly, you can do that yourself by thinking, okay, like what do I have that's going to take up a lot of energy? Mm, I've got that final. Okay, so if I've got a final, then I'm going to try really hard to not schedule two finals in one day, or I'm going to try really hard to like give myself the rest of the evening off because I completed that final. Um, I hope that makes sense for you when it comes to taking breaks and alternating activity, high energy activity with rest. Another thing that is important with pacing, I keep talking about this self-assessment, self-evaluation, how important important self-awareness is for you to take care of yourself while also getting your work done. And one of the things that I, that I encourage, which is why I have a growth journal that, you know, I've provided before for free. It's a 60 plus page journal that has a bunch of reflective journaling prompts in it. And so journaling is great because you can get started on it at any point And 
I recommend if you're starting to feel overwhelmed or if you feel like you've got too much going on or just an event was really, I don't know, it was a lot for you to journal about that incident, journal about that moment, journal about that feeling. So that way you can start to like go back and, and take a look at what you have written in your journal and notice the patterns so that next time something like this happens, you can shift or disrupt that pattern. So like, what's an example? I um, recently was talking to someone who was a professor who was saying that when she goes out and has to commute for her classes, it takes up a lot of toll and energy for her. She has an autoimmune disease. So um, if that's another thing that kind of uh, affects her, she struggles with chronic fatigue syndrome. And so she has to show up to her classes because they are in-person classes, but she found out that the policy at her institution is that you have to be in-person teaching for up to 75% of the time. So she realized, oh my gosh, this is so much. It's so hard for me to commute so hard on my body. How can I shift this? And so for her, she leaned on leaned into that policy and thought, well, if it's 75%, then I'm going to take that 25% and take advantage of it. So now she schedules in 25% of her time to have online classes or online instruction. And I thought that was brilliant. I'm like, that is amazing. And if it becomes too much, there's also the option of getting requesting accommodations but that's a whole other conversation. The point of this is to reflect, assess, figure out, okay, what's been happening? What am I struggling with? How can I change this next time? And then the last thing I want to say when it comes to pacing is to give yourself permission to do less, to give yourself permission to say no. I have been working with students and I noticed that a lot of them, because I work with first gen BIPOC students who a lot of them are also uh, children of immigrants. And a lot of them uh, like me, like my former self are like people pleasers and try to avoid conflict. They have a tendency of saying yes to things. And then when they realize that that, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said yes to this or they regret it or they've got too much going on. They don't want to say no. They don't want to back out because they feel really bad. They feel ashamed. They don't want to displease someone or disappoint someone. And and because of them avoiding that discomfort and avoiding you know that whatever potential conflict might come up from them saying, I can no longer do this, they are suffering. And if you are listening to this and you feel like you are that person, you're in a similar situation, I want to tell you that unfortunately in life, there are going to be a lot of incidents where you're going to have to have difficult conversations and you're going to have to face discomfort. And this is a good time for you to practice that skill, to practice putting yourself first. And that if you really, really, really struggle with it, then ask talk to someone that you trust and ask for their help. Hey, can you help me with drafting this memo so that I can, you know, let's, you know, my job know that I'm no longer going to be able to work, you know, to give my two weeks notice if it's like a part-time job, or can you help me draft this memo so I can let folks know that I'm going to need to do less, um, or play a smaller role for this organization or this student org of some sort, or can you help me with practicing out like a a script of what I'm going to say 
to, you know, so-and-so just to let them know that I'm not, I'm no longer going to be able to help them, or I'm going to have to help them less than I've had in the past. So there are different things that you can do to practice that skill, but I just, I want you to be mindful. If you're already burning out, something's got to give. You have to do less. You can't keep going at this pace. Otherwise, you're not going to get better. And instead, you're going to get worse and you're going to reach a breaking point. And a lot of people, when they reach a breaking point, that's when they have to completely do a 180 and shift things around. So that might mean like they will take a leave of absence or a medical leave or or they might just make a completely big shift in their life. And so if you want to avoid having to make this big, big change because of a break breaking point, then you're going to have to slowly but surely do less, slowly but surely say no to more opportunities because each time you're saying more to opportunities that are not values aligned, that are not high importance things for you to reach your goals, then you're saying yes to yourself. And you have to say yes to yourself because if you don't, if you're not healthy, if you're not feeling good, then what's the point of all of this? You know, if you don't, like some people say health is wealth. Like if you don't prioritize yourself, your physical, mental, spiritual health, then again, what's the point of all of this? Okay. That was what I had to say about pacing. Now let's talk about prioritization. And one very popular prioritization technique that I share with my clients and that you can probably look it up if you look up, oh, what are techniques for prioritization? One thing that pops up over and over and over again is this thing called the Eisenhower matrix. And the Eisenhower matrix looks like this quadrant. Uh, there are four different things on the quadrant. And in on the top left is the things that are urgent and important. And then you've got the things that are um, important, but not urgent. Then you've got the things that are not important, but urgent. And then you've got things that are not important and not urgent. And so based on this matrix, you have to list your tasks according to one of those four things. And if they are urgent and important, those are the things that you should be doing now or very soon. If they are important, but not urgent, those are the things that you schedule in. You make sure you add time in your calendar for those things. If they are not important, but urgent, you probably want to find a way to delegate those tasks. And if you can't delegate, then maybe you've got to find a way to do it later. And then the last thing is not urgent, not important. Find out what are those things that are taking up a lot of your time that are actually not urgent and not important. And maybe you don't have to do those at all. So those are the things in the not do. I don't have to do that at all because it's not urgent and not important. And sometimes this might mean like, oh my gosh, I said yes to a commitment and it's actually not important to me. And it's not even urgent for me to be doing this at all. So you might need to, again, go back and reassess your commitments and let go of some of those things that, you know, don't nourish you and are not uh, helping you get from point A to point B are not very urgent and, and important for you. 
The other thing I wanted to say about this Eisenhower matrix that a lot of a lot of us get stuck with the urgent and important stuff. And you get so caught up in like, oh my gosh, this is urgent. You wait to the last minute to get something done that you don't make time for important and not urgent things. So you want to work your way towards eventually doing the bulk of your work in a way where they are important and not urgent. So this is where the pacing, time blocking and reverse engineering is helpful because I always, I have to, I just have to, I can't rely on my body to be reliable uh, or I can't rely on my body uh, to be functioning in the same way every single day. And so I know there's a good chance that I might get sick on the day of the deadline. So I always try to get my work done well in advance of a deadline. And so I, most of the things that I work on are important to me and not urgent because I've calendared them in so that I get them done again when they are not urgent, when they are not due the next day. So that's another kind of tip for me uh, to ask you to try out is to work your way backwards so you make time to work on things that are important to you well in advance of a deadline so that you're you're working more on those important and not urgent tasks. Another prioritization tip that I have mentioned before is the ABC method. I think I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I recorded an entire episode on the ABC method of productivity. So I'll have to link it in the show notes if you want to listen to that one. But um, when I talk about it, there's two different ways that folks talk about it. So one is um, ABC as in labeling your task A for like based on levels of importance. So A is very important, B is important, and C is not very important. And then working on your task based on that level of importance. But actually, when I talk about the ABC method of productivity, I'm talking about energy management, not just like priority management. And so for me, I think about ABC as your A time, B time, and C time. A time is when you're most alert, B time is when you're less alert, C time is when you're the least alert. And you want to schedule in tasks during your A time that require the most energy. So for me, my we all have different chronotypes, you know, we all have different energy levels and when like we are most alert. Some people say they're night owls, some people say they're morning people, and people like me, I'm an afternoon person. So I know afternoon is the best time. So I'm gonna schedule in the high energy tasks, the things that require the most concentration, that that are more difficult to complete. I'm gonna do that during my A time. And uh my B time is the evenings. So things that, you know, are still requiring some energy, but don't require as much energy as the A time uh, tasks. I'm going to do those in the evening and eight, I mean, sorry, C time, which is uh, the time that I have the least energy. That's my morning. My mornings, I feel terrible. I, my symptoms from a chronic illnesses are the most prevalent in the mornings. And so I try to take it easy in the mornings because I have to. And so if I do do work in the mornings, uh, which I don't always do, uh, I try to work on the things that are C-level tasks that are very, very low energy, easy things to do. So there you have it. That's ABC method of productivity. And um, another, another one is like 
implementing the rule of one or three, or just kind of figuring out what is the top one to three things that I have to get done today. So let's say if you're having a really rough day or you're feeling sick or you just don't have a lot of time or whatever it is um, that's preventing you from getting a lot done on any given day, you have to ask yourself constantly, okay, what is the absolute most important task that I need to get done today? Maybe the absolute most important task that I need to get done today is to finish the one thing that's due tomorrow. Maybe I really wanted to get these all these other things done, but realistically, the most important thing is that one. So that's the one that I'm going to prioritize. If you've got a little bit more energy, then maybe step it up to the top two or three things that you absolutely have to get done today. And then remind yourself, like put it on your task calendar or on a post-it. Like these are the things that are high priority today. So that way you can focus on those. And when you catch yourself getting distracted or procrastinating by doing other work that's not important and not urgent, you can look at it and say, oh, no, no, no. Like I need to get back to that. Lastly, I want you to adjust your expectations about what you can reasonably do. If you're struggling with burnout, if you feel like you're about to burn out, if you're trying to prevent burnout altogether, you really do have to adjust your expectations. And that may mean straying from the norm or what's typical or what's expected of you. Because if you are in higher ed or you have experience in higher ed and still have certain uh, workaholic tendencies that maybe you learned from your time in higher ed. A lot of times we set really, really high expectations of ourselves of the amount of work that we can get done. And realistically, some of us just need to do things differently or need to do less. You cannot prioritize everything all of the time too. So remember, we have multiple different roles and responsibilities. We don't just have our work to do. We don't just have our education and our careers. We have whole ass lives outside of this. We've got, you know, um, our family, our friends, we've got our physical, mental, spiritual health, we've got our communities. We, you know, also deserve to have time for leisure and to learn about financial literacy. There's so many other parts of us in our lives. And we cannot prioritize all aspects of our lives all of the time. So then you have to ask yourself, like when you're thinking about adjusting your expectations, what season am I in? Like, is this a season where I'm prioritizing my career? Is this the season where I'm prioritizing my mental health? Is this the season where I'm prioritizing my family? Is this the season where I'm prioritizing my community? And adjust your expectations accordingly. I feel like right now at my, I'm, I'm like shifting into a season of family and community. I do think that the work that I do with grad school mentoring is part of community building and giving back. And um, that's the season that I'm in. I, in grad school, I was in the, my, my, I guess, schooling and my mental health were two really, really big priorities, but you figure out, okay, what season am I in and how can I adjust my expectations so that I don't absolutely have to get everything done and do everything all of the time. We are not machines. We are not super humans and you deserve to make time for yourself. You deserve to incorporate wellness in 
to your schedule within your productivity strategies. That is how you avoid burnout. And that is how you do this work um, in a sustainable way. That's it for today. I hope you all found this helpful and I will talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, here are three ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review of the podcast. If you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, you become eligible for a free half hour coaching session with me. Yes, that's right. One free session. Once you leave a review, you can email me a screenshot and I'll send you a link to sign up. The second way to show your love is to get yourself a copy of my free 15-page grad school fem touring kit, which includes resources on research, organization, grad school, and career prep. Go to gradschoolfemtouring.com slash kit to get it today. The third and last way to support my show is to follow me on social media. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and occasionally TikTok with the handle at Grad School Fan Touring. Thanks again and until next time.